Hello and welcome to Sisters in the Shadows, Women in News and Jazz. I'm the producer, Mike Hansen from Pod People Production, and in this special debut episode, I'd like to introduce you to our host. She's a multi-talented artist, a musician, a singer, a songwriter, actor, writer, and an electrifying performer. Ladies and gentlemen, the incredible, the incomparable, the incredible, I'll get that word right, <laughs> Kala Cooper. <laughs> Where is she? Is she coming? <laughs> Is that me then, that description? <laughs> that's you, that's you. I've got a lot to live up to then. Well, welcome Colette, welcome. So, uh, for this first episode, we thought it'd be a good idea to let the audience get to know you a bit more. Yeah. Uh, as I said, you're a multi-talented artist, a singer, actor, songwriter, and more. But would you say of all your talents, Colette, is music your first love? Well, people ask me that actually, with acting and singing. When I'm doing my music, um, well, when I'm acting at that moment, that is my first love at that very moment. When I'm performing on stage, when I'm writing music and I'm making music and being creative, that's my first love. Um, so it's definitely one of my first loves, yeah. Okay. Um, that's a very diplomatic answer. <laughs> right. So when we start the acting podcast, we won't have alienated that audience. So, well, let's, uh, let's go back to the beginning then. So when did it all start for you, musically speaking? Well, musically speaking, well, as any kid who was an extrovert or an exhibitionist, I used to perform for the family at a very early age, probably absolutely drove them crazy. And then uh, my dad bought me some keyboards. Uh, I was around nine. And so I drove everybody in the house crazy playing Blue Daniel Walsh for about a year. I can, that's the only thing I can still play, <laughs> joking. Um, and not joking. Uh, so that's sort of when I was getting into music. But you know, I was at school, I was in the choir at an early age, and I've, I've always sang just for fun. And my parents sang, and my brother's a great singer and musician. So I was when I was acting, I um, especially at college, I used to go and busk with a friend just to earn some cash because I thought, oh, I can throw a few notes out, we can make a bit of cash. Um, but I never took it really seriously, and I still don't. So, <laughs> and then um, I, so we make a bit of bit of bit of pocket money and doing a bit of busking, and that was always a laugh. And then I just started playing with some musicians I knew, just in between acting jobs, just to earn some cash. And then people seemed to like my voice and my performance. And I'd always been writing songs growing up, just in your bedroom, singing with the, singing with the hairbrush. I'd write a few songs. So I was always, always interested in writing songs and poetry. So then I thought, oh, you know what? I quite like this, but I'm just a bit fed up with singing other people's stuff. I want to make my own stuff up. And so, which is what I did. So I just started to write and and uh, the musicians I was working with seemed to like it and we all have a laugh and it's really fun and then I thought oh okay I'm gonna record some so um, you know started recording music and um, people seemed to like it and um, you know it's played here and there on the radio and the fan base I have they seem to like it and I just basically like it doing it for myself and that's the reason why I do it and uh, I enjoy doing it and that's where it all started, really. Okay. And yeah, yeah, I love it. And your performance, as you mentioned, is um, a lot of people like it. Well, it's that you're underselling yourself because you're actually quite a, an electrifying performer and you kind of 
it's a performance that uh, has to be seen to be believed. Um, <laughs> Why am I that bad? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Now, um, I've, I've heard you described as, for people who haven't heard you or seen you live, mm -hmm. as imagine Janis Joplin channeling Edith Piaf. Yeah. So where do you think that comes from? Do you think that's a fair assessment? Well, I, I've had that a lot. And it's and do you know what? It's, it's really strange because um, growing up, my dad actually used to play a lot of Edith Piaf. And that's another thing why, why I think I'm so, so, I have such a love of music because my dad had such an eclectic taste and introduced me to such great artists growing up. And basically, um, he used to play, I mean, dad used to sing No Regrets Around the House every Sunday and he'd drive us all mad. But she was actually never one of, I was never, I would never say that she was one of my influences. I never, uh, I thought she was interesting, but she wasn't somebody I gravitated to. Um, maybe it's in my subconscious. And Janis Joplin, I, to be quite honest, growing up, I was never, didn't really know much about Janis Joplin. And so I, I, I did used to think that was quite an unusual. Um, do you think it's to do with, because your voice is quite husky and quite deep and quite powerful the way Janice's was. And you have quite a, an amazing stage presence. So do you think that's where some of the comparison comes from? Maybe, maybe, because obviously since then, I've, you know, I've obviously checked Janice out a lot. I've had to as well because I'm... Why is that, Colette? Uh, have you well... developed a new interest in Janice Joplin? <laughs> no, because I'm playing Janice Joplin ah, well, in a we'll stage come. play, musical play. Well, we'll come uh, well, it's, 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 uh, we're going to come to that then. We'll come to oh, that. right. Oh, sorry, sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I can actually see, I can see the resemblance in terms of energy and we've both got a powerful voice and it's husky. Um, but I'm just really doing my own thing. You know, I'm doing my own thing. I'm not aware of, I'm just doing my own thing and whatever comes naturally to me on stage. And I do kind of go into some kind of weird zone. I feel like I'm taken out of myself and... It's kind of like, it's a bit like meditating. I, f I forget what I've done once I've finished the gig. And I just enjoy the whole performance side of it as well. And I think that comes from being an actor as well. Mm -hmm. You know, the performance side of things comes from being an actor. So you kind of mix the two together. And I, re I, I mean, I thrive off live performances. Of course, I never get the words right. So, you know, I have to blag it quite a lot. But mm -hmm. um, I'm always forgetting the lyrics, um, even on my own stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's... But yeah, I really enjoy live performance more than anything, more than recording, more than anything. I, I love being on stage with a great audience who who you're connecting with. It's really good. Or throwing tomatoes at you, whichever one. You know, yeah. Both good. Well, I know you, I, you hate to waste vegetables. Like I'm sure no one's uh, thrown in tomatoes. But just on that, obviously, you along with every other performer in the world has not been able to perform in front of an audience. Uh, that must have taken a toll on you. And how have you maintained your creativity? What have you? Have you kept well, your mojo going? Have you done yeah, any online gigs? Yeah. Well, I tend to every morning. I made sure the uh, the fridge uh, light was working. I just open the fridge door and have a little sing song. Then that mm. gives me a bit of a vibe of an. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, more tomatoes, guys. <laughs> no. Well, I've done a, I've done a couple of um, Instagram. Well, that's a lie. I did one. Mm -hmm. I, I, that was quite at the beginning, around March, April of lockdown, which I found I really enjoyed it. We had a really good laugh, and I loved all the little comments coming up because you felt, in a way, you had a bit of an audience. But it is a bit bizarre not performing to anyone. Um, no, I've I've not done any. 
club streaming gigs yet. I decided I didn't want to do that until I had something to promote. And uh, but I am I am doing a I'm doing a few coming up in a, in um, November. I'm doing some streaming gig. I'm doing one at the One Hundred Club, which is my ultimate favourite venue in the world. I'm doing one there um, because I'm promoting a little album. Um, but I've just it's just really a lot of the streaming gigs. You know, I've said no to because I, it's just really. I don't know. I feel like it's quite soulless. I'm, I am somebody who needs an audience. I, I bounce from, you know. It, um, but I think it's good to do streaming gigs because it's helping the venues out, and um, you know they do need to be kept alive. And you still, as an as an artist, a performer, you need to exercise those talents. You can't just be singing around and jumping around your kitchen all day. Uh, well, you can. I do, but. I think um, I am doing a couple of streaming gigs and I, I've just got to embrace it. Um, but I know it's going to be a bit odd because I'm not going to have an audience there. But, you know, you've got to use your imagination and, and you just have to see it as, you know, you're getting together, creating, doing live music. Do you see a, a, a similar vibe when you're acting, when you're, you did, obviously you probably did live theatre, but you also did films and yes. TV, so that you did have to perform it's... or be creative with no audience. Yeah, that is a very good analysis because I prefer theatre to TV and film. Mm. It's for just, that reason, for, for, the, for well, the live feedback? Just the live feedback, but also because I started off in theatre. You know, when I started off acting, I never had any um, aspiration to do TV or film when I started acting. It was all about theatre and I just did lots and lots of theatre and then travelled with theatre because... And I really, in fact, quite a lot of my actor friends at that time would look, they'd look down the nose at doing anything on TV. It was all theatre. Because you get into character, and I'm a method actor, and you get into character and you can really just ride that character out and it's, it's just a, it's kind of a great, it's a great feeling. And you're in character. When you're doing TV or film, even if you try, and you, you do try, you stay in character, it's it's always broken by something, or it's just different. It's static. It's just a. Di it's a just. It's just a different form of art, really. Mm -hmm. And it's very different in terms of in theatre. You know, you you can be big. You you can really really express yourself on so many levels. And, and in TV and film, you've kind of just got to keep it down a little bit and contain it and be, be more insular. You know, but you're still painting those emotions onto a blank canvas, if you like. Yeah. So, well, going back to Janice, then I guess that's a combination of your your two big gloves is acting and singing, but mm -hmm. it's both within a, 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 in front of a live audience. So it's not recording a song and it's not yeah. doing a TV film. It's acting and singing on a stage, channeling or or uh, portraying a, an artist that is you've been likened to. So, before lockdown, you were working on. Janice Joplin. Tomorrow may be my last. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that and what and what as much as you can say and how things have been developing in lockdown and what yeah. might happen. Firstly, the reason why I wanted to play Janice, because I had lots of comments, this, we were likened to each other. So it, it did make me, and it did make me think, oh, you know, I want to get know more about this artist. I mean, I obviously knew about her, you know, um, but I didn't know, I didn't know so much about her. Um, and then doing all my research on Janice and, well, first of all, I was doing a gig at the 100 Club and a producer said to me, you should definitely you should do a musical or 
and I thought musical theatre is not my thing, but I would love to play, you know, a singer, someone iconic. And she was the first one, you know, come to mind. I couldn't do Edith Piaf because I, I, I mean, I forget English lyrics, never mind French ones. Mm. I just wouldn't be able to do it. Um, but so I looked into it and I've read every single book and we're so similar on so many levels, just our musical tastes. Her big major influence is Bessie Smith. That's my influence is Bessie Smith. Mm. She was one of the first artists that really introduced me to, you know, blues. Well, she was the first artist who introduced me to blues and which is why I wanted to sing was because of Bessie Smith. And so, and just that she's an activist and, you know, I am, you know, I see myself as that. And she's also, you know, she she hates any injustice, which is me. I hate injustice. And, she, you know, she wants equality. And she came from a, a time as well, you know, um, with segregation. And she really fought against that. I'm somebody who fights against injustice. And I believe in equality and I believe in the human race. And she's very... Janice is very, very like that. And the other reason why I really um, connected with her and what resonates with me with her is that she's such a tomboy. You know, she's not sort of one of these typical pretty girls. And I've always been like that growing up. I was such a tomboy. And that was something I could really connect with. You are, you are a typical pretty girl, though. Well, no, I, I'm laughing when I say because I'm quite glamorous on stage. Mm. I know I am because I make myself glamorous. But... I am, and you can, like in the way, like you say, the, you know, my performance on stage is quite loose, and that's where she is. She's very uninhibited, and that's me. And there's so many things I related with her, and um, and I just thought, yeah, it was a natural thing to play her. Mm -hmm. So we started rehearsals. We did the writing process, and and. Um, we did a workshops, and we started rehearsals, and it was really great. And we did a a little um, preview before we wanted, this is obviously before lockdown. And what I loved about it, because I'm a, a real improviser, so I could do, I just could work with the audience and I've lived and just bounce from the audience. And that is just so much fun to be able to have that freedom as an artist, to be able to just go with the flow, whether it's good or not, you know, but to go with the flow and have that freedom is brilliant it's mm. brilliant okay and um so the, the you, you kind of alluded there earlier that the the one thing you and janice do have in common is a love of blues particularly bessie so yeah. um kind of going back to your musical career specifically with blues and jazz um and as this podcast which we'll talk a bit more about in a minute mm. is about women in blues and jazz so but for you bessie was the first one that made you sit up and go what is this i want to do this as well Oh yeah, she just sent, I always, I always have like a scale of one to ten on how I, how I judge something musically or anything. And it's the hairs that stand up on my arm. If, if I hear a voice or music and it makes all my hairs stand up everywhere and it electrifies me, that's when I know, wow, this is amazing. And yeah, so Bessie Smith, I heard at a very young age, um, along then with, you know, uh, Billie Holiday, Big Mama Thornton, Nina Simone, they, those particular women I mentioned are the ones that made me really want to perform and sing musically. And so, yeah, Bessie Smith was just, and still is, just, just about her energy. It's not just about her voice, it's everything she's about, 
you know, she's, it's just something. I mean, again, she resonates with me. It's just that incredible tone and voice and grit and gut. And also I can relate to it because, you know, they've, they've had no formal training and I've had no formal training. I, I think formal training is great. I think everyone should, should do it, but um, I like the rawness of that. And, um, and she's a gut, an instinct. And I think I'm an in, I perform on instinct and so I could really relate to that. But I'm not, you know, I'm not a jazz singer and I'm not a blues singer. I'm just doing my own thing. I'm heavily influenced by that, um, particularly blues I'm influenced by. And I just, you know, do my own thing. And however it's perceived is how it's perceived, you know. Um, but, you know, there's some great artists out there who are, who've trained and they're amazing. And they are, I would say, you know, amazing jazz singers and they use every jazz phrase and chords and I just touch base on that but I'm just doing just doing my you know my own thing mm -hmm. and hope that people like it because you know I enjoy doing it well I'm, I'm sure they will and I know what they do yeah. and I think some of those artists will appear in this podcast series so talking about Sisters in the Shadows yeah available on iTunes Spotify wherever you get your favorite shows um, <laughs> so what made you want to, um, to host this podcast series well, of all the things that you're interested in and can do, what's specific about women and women in blues and jazz that you want to explore? Well, I'm a real advocate and supporter of women in general. And I just felt over the years, when I started, like I said earlier, I started to sing to earn a bit of money in between jobs. I did all the typical jazz songbook songs, did all little small little jazz bars here and, here and there. And... Um, there just didn't seem to be a lot of women around when I started years and years ago. You know, instrumentalists, the vocalists, there's always been, women have always led that in the jazz and blues world, you know, um, never short of that. jazz, yeah. Exactly. Well, particularly jazz, yeah. But there was never, I never really, it was always quite, I was always quite shocked if I did see uh, a female saxophonist and I used to think, you know, and yet, you know, a hundred years ago, they, they had huge, huge big band leaders, all female orchestras, which was amazing. And it just seems to be, where, where are they? And then in the last few years, you know, we've seen a major research of women, you know, instrumentalists, vocalists, vocalists in the jazz, particularly in the jazz world. And, um, and it's just great to see. And I wanted to explore why that was really happening. Um, have they all stopped having babies? Have they stopped cooking? <laughs> no, I, I love how I laugh at my own jokes. Okay. Well, someone's got it. <laughs> uh, and then, um, and I've just got a lot of friends in the business who work really hard and, you know, are on the, are constantly playing from one jazz club to the other. And, um, and I'm a lazy bitch. I don't do that. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, uh, and I, and, and I wanted to, I don't know, I wanted to wanted to explore more about it and I wanted to talk to all these great artists who are, who are coming through, um, like the, you know, the Sarah Tandys and the Camilla George and, um, you know, and, and, um, Natalie Williams and there's so, there's so many amazing, and Sherry's, you know, Sherry's mm. is just incredible and um, she's got to be one of my favourites. And I just, and they're all amazing. But I just wanted to understand, I wanted to understand them and, you know, what, what's, what's, 
how it's developed for them and why it's become so popular again. Because like I said, years ago, you know, when I was doing, just singing jazz standards, the, the songbook, there was, there was, there was nobody, nobody younger than 45. Mm. And I mean, it was hardly, I mean, hardly any jazz singers, to be fair, of my age then. They were a lot older, if there was any. And you just didn't see anybody, just, it was kind of like a really... Not many venues either. Not R many venues. R Ronnie's and Jazz Cafe, and that was about it. But yeah, now we but, have piano bars. So. Because we've got so many great bars now. But, you know, well, so many. did. Well, yeah, sort of, yeah, at the moment, but we'll get them back this bloody lockdown. But I just think it was a real white middle class. If jazz had become very white and middle class and very expensive, you know, to go and watch some, to go to Ronnie's or any of these big jazz clubs, you know, um, it was ex it was expensive, you know. So it's not accessible for a younger crowd. It's just not, and it needed to be. It needed to, the roots needed to be reclaimed to this music because we've got to remember where it comes from, you know. The, the heart and soul of blues and jazz, you know, I felt it was lost and, and, I'm, and then you see this whole new research of these young jazz wavers coming through, reclaiming the heritage and I think it's fantastic and I just, and I'm glad, and that's the way that's the way it should be. And and it's become very, very popular amongst young people, and it's become more accessible. The tick, you know, there's lots and lots, as you said, so many little jazz bars around now, all over uh, East London as well. There's some great ones, and um, it's it's become the accessible, and the, they can dance to it. The music's progressed, jazz has progressed, just like any other music, but it's really progressed. It's crossed over genres, and it's. Um, developing differently all the time it's progressing and then the younger younger generation as young as you know 16 17 18 are just so into it and it's brilliant and to be fair nick lewis uh, um who's a brilliant guy at ronnie scott's you know he's really working hard to make the tickets accessible to 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 get the younger um um you know jazz wave musicians through there and it's great, and it, we've just seen, it's just become hugely popular again. Mm. And it's just great to see all these young female artists coming through, and I have to say, you know, hugely, who's responsible for this is Tomorrow's Warriors. Mm. They're an amazing organisation, and um, they're really nurturing talent. And so explain also, a bit. Sorry, also Tony Minville is an incredible advocate for all these young artists as well coming through incredible women playing the sax, the double bass, and they're really incredible in their own right. We don't want to say, oh, there's a female um, a double bass player. All you need to say is that there's an excellent double bass player. Shouldn't be a novelty, you know, anymore. It just should be completely equal. So explain a little bit the what Tomorrow's Warriors is then. It's, they're not a band, they're not an association. No, they're just what, a, a loose collective of... Yeah, so Tomorrow's Warriors is an organization and um, they've been nurturing young talent and underprivileged, you know. That's, again, going back to it being very white, middle class and expensive, where you get lots and lots of talented musicians who don't have the money, 
the parents don't have the money to send them off to music school or to get them lessons, but they're naturally talented. You know, Tomorrow's Warriors nurture these people and the underprivileged kids who are incredibly talented, who are shining through, um, you know, shining through in their own right. And Tomorrow's Warriors are giving giving those those younger ones that opportunity and as I said it's reclaiming back you know the the heritage the real soul of jazz and blues where it really comes from what it's about you know it's about freedom and it's about expression that's what jazz is it's about expression freedom you know and uh, although you know it was very much formulated back in the day you know that's what it is jazz can be absolutely anything you want and um and it's, it's just great to see and hear and brilliant, you know, Numbia Garcia, she's absolutely incredible and she's a real star, but there's many like her coming up and it's fantastic. And so a lot of these people will, will be guests on future episodes? Of they shows? are, they're all guests. Okay. And, and who else could we expect to be? On, on the we've got from club owners um, to um, broadcasters, you know, Tony Minville, um, Chris Hawkins, um, Huey Morgan, um, we've got Soweto Kinch, who's like an absolute hero. I think he's just, this guy is so talented. And, and again, you know, his music and his performance and the way he crosses over as well with theatre and, and movement and his genres. He's, he's I think he's a, a real, uh, an amazing example of somebody who's really free with what he does. I think he's kind of the epitome of jazz, you know. Mm. Mm -hmm. He's brilliant. So it's not exclusively women. We've got men and women it's as not, guests. It's not exclusively women because I also want to hear, you know, I want to speak to guys who have been heavily influenced by female musicians over the years. Mm -hmm. And I want, you know, I want, like I said, I want to explore how influential women have been musically over the years. You know, for example, Elvis was heavily influenced by Sister Rosetta Tharp. I mean, you can see it in his performance. Elvis Costello was? Elvis Presley, sorry. Oh, that one. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Elvis Costello, but there's only one Elvis for me. Um, he was heavily, and he probably wouldn't, if it wasn't for her, he would never have been gyrating the way he did. Mm. So, you know, men have been, and, it, and it's great to see because you don't often hear that. We always hear Miles Davis being, you know, mentioned, Louis Armstrong, you know, all, all these great guys. I could obviously go on and on, um, and they are great. But you never often hear a guy say, a sister as I thought was my hero, you know. And it was definitely Elvis's. Um, and that's what I wanted to explore because these great women were overshadowed, you know, not the... In not, the shadows, you might say. Yeah, they were in the shadows, exactly. And they were in the shadows because it was it's very male-dominated back then. It's still quite male-dominated now, but it's changed, it's becoming more equal, thank God. But like I said, the vocalists, we always hear about the amazing vocalists like the Ella Fitzgeralds, the Billie Holidays and so on. But you never really heard much about the instrumentalists around that time. And um, so, yeah, and I just I just wanted to do it and it was something to do in lockdown. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I know I um, one of the um, questions you can ask everybody mm. uh, in the podcast, because yeah. it's fine because it's obviously interesting and enlightening and, and in depth. But it's, you know, it's, it's fun, isn't it? Yeah. It's, we're going to have fun with this. Yeah, um, it's fun. And one of the questions you were asking everybody is for a funny gig story. <laughs> now, I'm sure you've got a few. 
Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, I do have a few. I did a gig at St Pancras Church a couple of years ago and it's a really lovely venue. It's so special and um, we had a little dressing room. There's absolutely no mirrors in the dressing room and uh, which is when we were doing a tech run when I realised there was no mirrors and my one of, the, one of my double bass players, Francois, who's French and love him to bits, um, is always messing around with his hair. And he, his hair actually looks like Mozart's. It's quite mm. wild. So I'm always saying, Francois, tie it back. Um, I was thinking more Mother Bates myself. <laughs> but... How dare you, Mother Bates. <laughs> anyway, so I'm always making fun of Francois on stage and he loves it really. And then when we were doing the tech run, I realised there was no mirrors. I don't know why I did it, but I um, I sent out for some um, pink hairspray. Mm. Anyway, I said to Francois, right, we've all got to look really smart because I'm going to do your hair and everything. And so I said to the band, do not say anything. So he sat there. So I started spraying this bright pink hairspray on him and he didn't have a clue. Literally didn't have a clue. But at the time... There was this big thing in America, this serial killer who was a clown called mm. the Killer Clown. Mm. So this is <laughs> anyway. We're on stage, and his hair, the light shine, he's got this bright pink hair. And all of us band members were laughing, and he had not a clue what we were laughing at. And then, as he was playing, I, I introduced everyone. I said, "Yeah, this is uh, Dan Lipman on sax, and Sam Taylor on piano, yada yada yada." And we've got the killer clown on double bass. Well, everyone was pissing himself, but it was his face. He was so straight faced. He thought he didn't, he didn't understand what was going on. So Colette, um, Sisters in the Shadows is also aligned with um, the Norlof Robbins Musical Therapy Charity. Why did you want to be aligned with them in this series? Um, I wanted to do the, the podcast. Um, I always intended to um, uh, do it in aid of Nordif Robbins because it's a charity which is really close to my heart. Um, it's I did a I did a couple of gigs for them a few years ago, and since then I became an ambassador, um, which I'm really proud of. It's it's just a wonderful, wonderful charity. Um, music has always been my therapy. Um, so I'm extremely passionate about the charity and it's just wonderful. Um, they use music therapy to enhance people's lives with disabilities, um, and especially children. And it's proven that music, you know, really helps um, scientifically. I mean, you know, we're made up of vibrations, the same as music. And I just think it's just a wonderful charity. And where would we be without music? And it's in much need. Uh, in much need of funds right now, so I wanted to donate funds from the podcast to the charity, not just to raise funds, but to raise awareness. Um, and it's it's just um, I'm just a really proud ambassador, and I'm you know really behind the charity in every way I can, and I think it's um, great to align the podcast with them. It's, it's just a perfect fit. It is, it is, and and of course you can. You get a link to the Nord of Robbins uh, website through the show notes on this episode and every episode going forward. Yeah. Thank you. So, Sisters in the Shadows. Yes. It's going to be in your feed every Friday. Just subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. Mm. And our next guest, 
for next Friday with uh, you interviewing a series of musicians, broadcasters, historians, writers, all sorts about women in blues and jazz. Our first guest coming up next Friday is Huey Morgan, Huey Morgan. my absolute gorgeous guy who I just think is absolutely incredible and has impeccable taste in music and he's just a really beautiful spiritual man and we share the same love for Bessie Smith so it's amazing and is it on every Friday did you say? <laughs> every Friday in your feed subscribe oh. now on Apple Podcasts, well, Spotify, that. Google Podcasts wherever you get your favourite podcasts. Yes thank you we look forward to seeing you guys. We leave you now with Colette's latest single, Don't Throw Your Love Away, available now on iTunes. I've got a little time to pour a little wine Lean on your shoulder and cry I've got a little time to ease my mind Leave all the pain behind Stop this tears, Lord, I pray Oh, I pray Oh, don't take your love away I got a little time to make you stay I Throw my arms around you Ball.